Is anybody on major upset alert in the Pac-12 this week? We are going to find out because it is Trap Thursday. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Lockdown Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Pack 12. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. And by the way, a big thank you to everybody out there who has done so already on YouTube in the subscription department because we have hit a thousand subs on the YouTube channel. I'm appreciative to all of you out there for making that happen. One man who has helped make that happen by providing great comment and insight on the Conference of Champions is joining me again today, Richie Bradshaw, the host of Locked On Arizona State Sun Devils. I'm sure you are just as ready as I am, my friend, for another weekend of Pac-12 and college football. Absolutely. Gotta love the Conference of Champions. This actually looks like a really intriguing uh, week for uh, the whole Pac-12 before we get ready to kick off conference play. There's a lot of intriguing games on here that I'm excited to talk about with you. Yes, and it is a Trap Thursday. That is the theme of our Thursday shows here on Locked On Pac-12. Teams that need to be on upset alert and cannot overlook a particular opponent. And there are a couple of games we'll get to later in the show that on paper someone could look at and go, oh, that might be a trap game, but I'm going in the opposite direction. It'll be the anti-Trap Thursday games. But one that I want to start with here, Richie, I'm not going to call it an outright upset because I do not think that Colorado State is a very good team. In fact, I know that they're not a very good team. They haven't been a great program in uh, the last several years. I, in fact, just saw uh, someone at CBS Sports publishes 25 worst teams in college football, and they were among them. The reason that I've got Washington State to just be on alert, twofold. Number one, yes, they're a 16.5-point home favorite, but for this Colorado State team, that's a little bit low, but I think that's telling as to where Washington State's offense has been through the first couple of weeks. But the other thing here is, though Colorado State isn't very good, Washington State is coming off that big, big win, right? I mean, massive potentially program-defining with Jake Dickert, depending on how things play out. Huge win at Wisconsin. You come back home, you've got an inferior opponent, you're a big favorite, you're feeling good. I think Washington State is primed for what you call an emotional letdown here, where they're still kind of riding high, but it gives you a different mindset going into a game like this. I, I don't think that Colorado State is going to do a lot to you know, give the Cougars a push here. But I think Washington State could come out and feel a little bit too confident after last week's win against Wisconsin. What do you think? I think that, you know, that that's kind of spot on. I mean, Cameron Ward has looked pretty solid to start his career with the uh, with the Cougars. But last week against Wisconsin, I mean, he was I wouldn't call him a liability, but he certainly wasn't the biggest strength of the team. Turned the ball over uh, two times, only had one touchdown. So it felt like the team was able to carry him for the most part. And I mean, they do got a really good team with Nikhil Watson uh, being an absolute stud in their ground game. The defense has been performing very well lately. 
you can't say you're a good defense without being able to hold Wisconsin to just 14 points in Madison as well. And this run defense has not given up a rushing touchdown on the year yet. So they've got themselves a really nice program right now. But like you said, I mean, there's there's always that chance that a team can be a little overly confident in themselves after coming off a big win. I, like we said, when you go to Madison, Wisconsin, and you beat the Badgers, that is huge bragging rights. That is a very good program, not just in Big 12 standards, but typically in just college football standards in general. So they should be very happy with what they did. But they got to remember that it, it's a new week now. You got to celebrate on Sunday and Monday, and you got to get right back to business now for the remainder of the week. Because if you can go into conference play starting off 3-0, and that's a great way to get going. They could potentially be ranked by the end of this, depending on how they're able to, you know, decimate, hopefully decimate the, uh, who did we just say they're playing? Uh, Colorado, Colorado, Colorado State. State. Yes, thank you. So uh, they, they haven't blown anyone out, though. So when they played Idaho, uh, they, only, they only won by one possession. So hopefully they're able to beat Colorado State, who, again, is one of the worst teams in the country. Hopefully they can beat them by more than one possession. They they got to show that ability to just blow away inferior competition so that we can have faith in them moving forward as a legitimate contender in the Pac-12. I think what you're talking about is a great point, and it speaks to something we see in the NFL for sure, but especially in college football when you're dealing you know, with kids and coaches who are not always at the same level as what you have in uh, at the NFL, it's one of the biggest gaps between the college and pro games, the level of coaching, and that's playing down or up to the level of competition that your exactly. opponent is that your opponent has. And so far through two games, that's what Washington State has done. Right. So you go on the road and you beat number 19 Wisconsin. That's a really good win. First ranked Big Ten win on the road in program history. First time they beat a Big Ten team since uh, like 1994. Like it had been a really long time, a ranked Big Ten team, I think it was since 1994. But now what they have the opportunity to show this week is that they won't play down to their competition every week. And they are capable of being explosive enough on offense because I trust their defense. Defense is really good. Jake Dickert has instilled that as the identity of that Washington State team. And I think that's how we have to view them now as a defensively oriented football team rather than the explosive offense that we saw with Mike Leach when they came to being a competitive team in the Pac-12 once again. But they can't play down and up to their competition every week because that limits your ceiling. You have to be able to bring it week in and week out. And maybe Idaho was an aberration from what we'll expect, but I think this game uh, will be pretty telling. Another one that could be primed for uh, Trap Thursday uh, which is, of course, not happening today. The game isn't, but the show is, hence the name of Trap Thursday. Arizona and North Dakota State. This game is being played in Tucson. I, I like the Wildcats here, Richie. Again, much like I, I like the Cougars, but that's an FCS opponent, but it's not your typical FCS opponent. That's more like an FBS school that's playing at an FCS level. That is a very... Very good program. They were, I, I want to say, like three championships in three years, four in a five-year span. They they've won been, like eight, they've won like eight championships. Yeah, they've been absolutely dominant over the last ten years. I mean, like you said, this this feels like an FBS program. This does not feel like FCS. This does not feel like a team that you can play down to their competition. 
And U of A, for how great they looked in week one against um, – g- give me one sec as I pull up the schedule here. San Diego State. San Diego State. State. Yes. yes. And, I mean, on the road, too. That's a very impressive win. But then last week, you just you, – you wet the bed against Mississippi State. Call a spade. A spade. Jaden Delora just looked completely lost compared to what he did in week one. Now, thankfully for him, you know, this is a good opportunity to kind of get back on track. But unfortunately, I mean, it's it's not like you get to play in Alabama A&M here. You're playing North Dakota State. This is not a team you can take lightly, even if they're coming down to Tucson. So hopefully Wildcat fans are ready to cheer on their team. Similar to uh, Wazoo. If U of A can go into Pac-12 play two and one, first of all, I'm pretty sure they beat their Vegas odds of one and a half. If not, they're two. It and was a half. two and a half. It was it, it was two and a half. So they could come very close to it. By the way, I had the over on them coming into the season, Richie. I think I did too, but I can't remember if I was really biased when we talked about that or not. But this this team has showed quite a bit of competitiveness in them. So I'm not willing to write them off against North Dakota State. But I'm also not willing to say that this is a definitive win for them. I would definitely put them um, on, on a watch to potentially get upset. I don't know if I would consider it like upset alert because North Dakota State is just a, a very quality team. But, you know, U of A is higher competition. They are power five compared to North Dakota State being FCS. They should be able to win this game. They're They're a more talented football team. The North Dakota State is. They've definitively got the better quarterback. You should be able to pull this win off, but you absolutely cannot sleep on this team. I agree. E- even at home, I-, I think you you sold the Wildcats a little a little bit short there in the game against Mississippi State. It was close for about a half, but the sloppy turnovers from from Arizona, specifically Jaden Delora, who was just trying to do too much. I think that's something that Jed Fish will want to see his team clean up. What about the other Arizona school? Is there any concern for Arizona State? We'll ask Richie, who hosts Locked On Sun Devils, about that. After I remind you, Bet Online is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest league developments for football, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this week's games. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports, including Major League Baseball, Go Mariners, MMA, boxing, and my personal favorite, golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline is where the game starts. So, Richie, I was looking at the lines here provided by our friends at Bet Online, who currently have Arizona State as a 20-point home favorite against Eastern Michigan, coming from a group of five, pretty low uh, group of five uh, conference. I don't even know if they're in that particular class even. I'd, I'd have to double-check. But this is a game Arizona State, like Arizona, should win. This is a game where Arizona State is favored. This is a game where Arizona State is kind of trying to just avoid disaster. Now, they did that solidly in week one against NAU after a little bit of a a slow start, but you have a higher level of competition here with Eastern Michigan. Is there any concern at all down there in Tempe that that Arizona State could uh, be stumbling this week against Eastern Michigan? After the performance you put up against Oklahoma State offensively, absolutely. I mean, they just... It was such a frustrating game 
to watch. I, mean, I, I talked about it a lot on Locked on Sun Devils, so if you guys are interested in a little more uh, detail, uh, just a little self-plug there. But it, it was just so frustrating because the defense against Oklahoma State looked so good. And the unfortunate thing is they were just left on the field too much. And, you know, when, when you're a tired unit, that's going to result in points for the other team. Arizona State just could not move the ball consistently. On the opening drive of the game, they went all the way down the field, kicked a field goal for three points, and they didn't score again in the first half. This is a team that just, for whatever reason, the offense has yet to really get going. The run game, not an issue at all. Uh, X Valade had another 100-yard day. He's got three touchdowns on the year. But Emory Jones is under 400 passing yards for the season. He has just one passing touchdown, which came last week uh, to Elijah Badger, who looks very, very good for the Sun Devils. But they've had a very inconsistent passing game. This was not a passing unit that looked overly great in week one against NAU. But, I mean, you also ran the heck out of the football in that week. But last week, when push came to shove and you needed to throw the football, Emory Jones can only do so much. The offensive line has got to step up for him. And he needs his receivers to be more consistent because Andre Johnson, Brian Thompson, and Cam Johnson, who were supposed to come into the year as the one, two, and three receivers, were blanked last week. It was up to Elijah Badger and Giovanni Sanders to step up, and thankfully they did. So Emory Jones needs some more help in the passing game. Thankfully, with this being lower-level competition, you should be able to do the same thing against NAU and just run the football, control the game clock, and control the pace of the game. But if you get into a situation where you you give up some, some bad scores, have some bad penalties, which Arizona State is incredibly prone to, unfortunately, this could be a game where they're going to force Emory to throw the football. And right now, like I, like I said, this is not an Emory Jones issue. But this is an issue that has been ongoing for the program, and they need to figure out how to be more confident passing the football and have more consistency from its pass catchers. Or, yeah. Arizona State could be on upset alert. I am 100% willing to put them in that category. They just have not shown the consistency this year, and it's two games. I get it. But based off of last week's performance, it, it is concerning. I don't care that you were in Stillwater, and I don't care how good the defense was. You should have been able to continue moving the ball with the amount of chances the defense gave you, and you just couldn't. So, yeah, I, you can't take Eastern Michigan lightly in this game regardless of the fact that your FBS competition, similar to uh, U of A, obviously North Dakota State is a lot better than Eastern Michigan, but nonetheless, I mean, what does that say about Arizona State that I'm still willing to put them in upset alert category against Eastern Michigan? You just you can't sleep on the Eagles. Well, North Dakota State is is FCS. Eastern Michigan is FBS, but I think just, just barely uh, a gotcha. little bit. I, I bet you if they played on a neutral field, I don't think there would be that big of a difference between the, the those two teams. Like North Dakota State is literally the Alabama of the FCS football world. They Very they are so. absolutely they've won I believe eight six seven six whatever championships in the last uh, ten ten to twelve years. Let's move over to uh, the other games in the Pac-12 that. Someone could, in theory, look at and say, oh, I think that might be a trap game. Oh, you got to watch out. But I feel the complete opposite about Fresno State at USC and San Diego State at Utah. The Mountain West so far has not had a good go of it against the Pac-12. 
San Diego State got trounced by Arizona in San Diego, 38 to 20 in week one. Fresno State very easily could have beaten Oregon State a week ago, but they ultimately lost at home. Now they have to go on the road to a USC team that we'll get to here in uh, just a moment, but I feel good about them in that particular game. I think the Trojans, who are currently sitting at about 12, 12 and a half point favorites, lines kind of fluctuating around Thank there, Richie. I'm putting them in the Pac-12 prime picks this week, as long as it, as long as it stays under two touchdowns. I think Fresno State, at the very least in that game, number one, they're not going to be able to slow down USC. Like, you're going to have to have a shootout. And sure, Fresno State could put up some points. But if Oregon State went to Fresno and scored 35 points, and USC just went at Stanford, who's got better athletes at least than what you have at Fresno State by at least a little bit, and put up 41, I feel like 35 is the minimum we're going to see from USC. And I don't know how much that Fresno State team, they've got some good playmakers. I love Jake Hayner, their quarterback. I don't know on the road if they're going to be able to, number one, avoid turnovers from this USC defense that has been forcing them at an incredible rate through two games so far. I just don't think they're going to be able to score. And I think that, well, I don't think they're going to be able to score enough, I I should say. I think Fresno State will have at least 20 points in this game. But I think USC is going to be over 40. Like I, I think this is going to be like a 45 to 20 to 24 kind of game. And if it stays under two touchdowns tomorrow, USC will be in the Pac-12 prime picks for me. What do you think? Yeah, I, I will tell you that I did not give USC enough credit coming into this year. I admittedly thought that this was going to be a program that needed a year to really get to the level of play that they're already at. But I mean, that's the power of Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison all coming in in one offseason. I mean, a USC didn't buy a team, but they definitely had some really nice upgrades from the transfer portal and certainly at the head coaching spot. As much as I want to say, I think Fresno State could hang in this game because of Jake Hayner and how terrific he is a quarterback because he is, you know, almost 800 passing yards through the first two games of the year, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. It's just not going to be enough. It, like you said, USC is going to hang 40 points. They already have over 100 points on the year. And it, it's not for a lack of competition. Like, sure, you can say what you want about Stanford being down, but that's still a good program. And you had to go to Palo Alto to beat that team. This is this is a really, really good USC program. Fresno State, they, they would have to score 50 points. And that's not happening against this defense. Like you mentioned, they are forcing turnovers like it's nobody's business. They have nine turnovers in this game or on the season, seven interceptions. Oh my goodness, interceptions. This is a really, really good USC program. So as much as I would like to say Fresno could put up a fight, they're not going to, especially down in the Coliseum. And then the other team you mentioned uh, was the uh, 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 San Diego State uh, Aztecs. At at Utah, yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, again, like I would like to believe that San Diego State could put up a fight based off of what they did last year, but they have not been a good team this year. And like, like you said, you, you were home against U of A who had one win last year and got absolutely trounced by them it was 38 to 20 in your own stadium. And then last week you lose by three points to 
uh Oregon State, which yeah, I mean that or no, uh Fresno No, that State. was that was Fresno that was Fresno Fresno State lost by three to Oregon State. San Diego yeah. State got got an easy win a, a week ago, but they're going to Salt Lake City, and that's a tough place for anybody. Yes. No, that that's a very tough place to play. Uh Utah has turned into one of the gold standards of football for the Pac-12. They got a really nice home field advantage and they got by far the better football team. So I definitely put a lot more faith and the number 14 Utah team, which quite frankly is a lot better than people would realize because of that loss that they suffered in the first week of the year to Florida. I mean, they just, they played a really hot Anthony Richardson who didn't play well last week. It's, it's one or the other for him down in Florida, but neither here nor there. I'm not worried about Utah. I'm not worried about USC this week. They're just too good at programs right now to, you know, quote unquote, play down to their competition. Like we've been talking about for the other teams. I just think they're so much better than everyone else in the Pac-12. It's just not close. I think USC is really well coached and they're humming along right now. And Utah also a historically very well coached football program. And they're, I think, extremely motivated after that game against Florida to prove that they are the team that everyone thought they could be coming into this season, because right now they're, they're behind the eight ball a little bit in that they're having to, to kind of claw back to, to regain that reputation and that national pedigree that they were looking for. Had they gone into Gainesville and walked away winners, which they, they should have, frankly, I thought they were the better team that day, but they didn't execute when they needed to. And they let Florida hang around and, and the game unfortunately got away from them with, a game losing interception in the end zone by, by cam rising. And so I think what you have here is a, a game that's ripe for a big time blowout. I, I really, yes. really think that I think USC and Utah both will win big this week. Cause I look at San Diego state and that's a team that Utah lost to a year ago on the road in two or three overtimes. Okay. So Utah remembers that right. Coaching, excuse me, the coaching staff remembers, players who were on the team last year they remember that's how they started one and two is they lost to they lost to BYU and then they lost to San Diego State and they should not have lost to San Diego State but they did and then they went on a run so I think the motivation for Utah both from what's happened this season and what happened against this opponent a week ago is going to have them fired up they're going to be at home in front of the home crowd and I think you're going to see a really good game from Cam Rising but Everyone on Utah, I expect to be playing at a high level because if I'm a coaching staff, I don't know if you feel this way, Richie, I'd 100% use it as motivation. Like, this team got you last year. How are you going to respond? You're playing at home where Utah has been damn near unbeatable in, in the last couple of years. And I don't think they lose a game at home this season. Coming into this 2022 campaign, I thought this would be a big win for Utah. I feel that way even more strongly now. They might be in the Pac-12 prime picks tomorrow. They're a three-touchdown favorite. I think they could cover that because you're yes. going to see the explosive offense, but I think you're going to see the defense start to work things out because you got Kyle Whittingham and a good defensive staff, and you got good personnel, guys like Muhammad Diabate and Clark Phillips on the back end as well, anchoring the secondary. I, I think this is a game that, that Utah is going to come out and try and make a little bit of a statement as much as they can before they begin conference play. Absolutely, man. This is just such a good, well-coached program. I've been on record before uh, talking about how I, I firmly believe that Kyle Whittingham is one of the best coaches in college football. 
I just I, I totally buy into everything that Utah has been able to put out over over the last decade plus. As long as he's there, as long as Tavian Thomas remains there, as long as Cameron Rising remains there, they're going to put up points. And that defense is no joke. The the defense is just like statistically they they're not throwing up these massive numbers in the box score, but they're still such a well coached unit. Yeah. And against against San Diego State, like you mentioned, that that was your what what was it like? That was the only loss for them last year, right? Before before the Rose Bowl. They lost to Oregon State once in conference, once in conference play. So okay. they, yeah, they they beat I, I think a cupcake team. They lost to BYU, lost to San Diego State, and then either of the Beavs were perfect in in conference play. But I I just think the way that that game went, not just that they lost, but the fact that it was a three overtime or two, I think it was two overtimes, two or three, whatever it was. The fact that you lost that heart in that heartbreaking of a fashion, I think you're just going to have guys come out super driven to get a W in a big, big way. Yes. No, I, I would count on Utah to look like the far superior football team. It, it's really going to help them to be in Salt Lake City. Like you said, they're, they're almost completely unbeatable at home. San, San Diego State doesn't have a chance. Even with a three touchdown spread, I'm taking it. I'm taking, I'm taking Utah to cover that game comfortably. The Trap Thursday games and the anti-Trap Thursday games all coming this Saturday. My thanks to Richie Bradshaw, host of Locked on Sun Devils on YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Appreciate you coming on. As always, my man, I think you're going to be the, the the recurring guest here for, for Trap Thursday. So it won't be the last time, but uh, until next time, talk to you later. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'll see you next time. Go Bison!